want us to continue looking at uh, fascinating aspects of Jesus' life, or the, the real Jesus, as you would say, because somebody, when I was speaking on this last week, um, somebody said to me afterwards that, that they enjoyed the message, but they were saying that, and it's so true, that we look upon Jesus' life very often it's in a bubble. We, we read, we're programmed to look at his life and very often from Sunday school onwards, we have these ideas. What, what I would sometimes refer to as the ladybird book Jesus. That Jesus somehow lived his life in a bubble. He, you know, he was born in a manger and, 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 all, and we have these ideas but they're almost a storybook Jesus. That's what I'm trying to say. But it's a real world that Jesus was born into. He, he wasn't born into a bubble. He wasn't born into a Sunday school freeze picture type of world. He was born into this world. And we use that term, the theological term, incarnation, to describe that Jesus was the Word, the eternal Word, the second person, capital P of the Godhead, but that he was incarnated into this world, which means he was, he became flesh. He came in a flesh and blood body. Amen? He took upon him, the Bible says, the likeness of sinful flesh. In other words, he was like us, but without sin. And never did sin, but was made sin on the cross, so that you and I could be made the righteousness of God in him. Now these are wonderful truths. But incarnation to be real, true, effective, means that Jesus had to be born into a real world where real things were going on, politics, uh, lifestyles, cultures, societies, civilizations, empires. He was born into the real world, not a fictional world and not a bubble, and certainly not a Ladybird book. I don't know if any of you remember the Ladybird books you used to get to Sunday school, I loved them. But they were never really real, were they? In the sense of, it was almost like a sort of a, a wee storybook. But Jesus, and we saw some of this last week, we looked at the geopolitical side of things where Jesus was born into this world where Rome and Parthia were in a truce. They were the two superpowers of that age. And it was from Parthia that the Magi came and brought gifts to Jesus. And they didn't bring him a wee Warren James trinket box, you know, a nice wee, you know, necklace in it. They brought him sufficient funding at the level of a king because they believed he was the heir to what we would call the Arsacid dynasty, which was the royal house of Parthia. Parthia was a vast, vast empire. And Rome and Parthia were in a treaty of truce at the time. And this massive party traveling from Parthia to find the infant who was born king of the Jews, so alarmed 
Jerusalem that some scholars believe they thought it was an invading army come to attack. That's the reality. You know, we just think, oh, three wise men came, three camels, we've all seen the Christmas cards. But we, the, the figure of three is itself invented because it was three gifts were mentioned. It doesn't say three wise men. Okay, so there was a massive traveling party that came. Um, and so Jesus, who was born uh, of the house of David, which was the royal house, the aristocratic house at that time, um, he wasn't some vagrant, beggar, homeless hobo. Far from it. He was born into, if you said today he was born into the aristocracy in Scotland or he was born into the royal the house of Windsor, you would understand then he, he wouldn't be what religion portrays him to be, which is some kind of wandering hobo with no shoes. You know, in fact, Jesus wore garments that scholars tell us were, were the designer clothing of his time um, and so on. So anyway, what I want to do today is continue that thought because we have this other religious sacred cow to knock over to this morning and I, I want to attack that a wee bit because she's, this is the thing that I'm trying to get across to you. If you worship God and worship Jesus but it's not the real one then you're worshipping a false god when I say the real one even Paul says people can come with another gospel and preach another Jesus but to me that, that's the scariest two words in the Bible another Jesus and so it's so important for us to understand as I said the real Jesus and we get it from the word of God but very often we read this word through layers and filters of tradition, don't we? So we have these ideas. So for example, if I says to you, what did Jesus do before his ministry? People would say, oh, he was a carpenter. Am I right? You know, the Bible never ever says Jesus was a carpenter. And I'll show you that. Alrighty, so... Let's look at a couple of scriptures here. Mark chapter 6 and verses 1 to 3. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. We, we have to sometimes challenge what we would call orthodoxy, because, which means, you know, accepted truths, because they're not always true. It, it, the tradition of men gets it. Mark chapter 6. And verse 1 says, He went out from thence, and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? It's like... Uh, it's like saying Davy went back to Blantyre and started preaching 
And people, and, and, and healing the sick and doing miracles, and people say, that's David. We know him. Where did he learn all this stuff? Where did he get all this stuff? Yeah. But look what he says next. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. It's not this the carpenter. Or we would say, it's not this the Jaina. That's how we read it. But that's not, there's a couple of things we need to say about that. First of all, it doesn't say Jesus was a carpenter. It says, they said, it's not this the carpenter. Now people say, well, you know, back then the tradition was that if your father had a trade or a profession, you would follow in that. But that's still the same in, in this day and age, isn't it? Electricians have sons sometimes who fall in, in, in the trade. Am I right? But it's not always the case. Now, my father is a football agent. So if somebody says, and, and I dabbled in that for a while, okay? I wish I was as successful at it as my dad was. But if you, people would say, oh, Bill, is, is, is that not young Bill, the agent, or the agent's son? Because you would assume, well, he must have followed his dad, but here I am, ministering the Lord as a, as a gospel preacher, minister. So, what they could be saying here, and, and, and this, is, this is what I'm trying to get across to you, is that who's saying it? Who's, asked, who's saying, is this not that Jaina? In other words, they could be saying it and probably were to be derogatory. Why? Because look who's saying it. It says here, he's taught in the synagogue. And it says, where, where did this man learn these things? The people in the synagogue were saying it. And they were saying, we know this guy. What right has he to be in the ministry? Probably people that were in the synagogue who were maybe teaching or certainly listen to teaching, and they'd never heard teaching like this. And they were offended because this guy's supposed to be in the carpentry profession. He's supposed to be a carpenter. But here he is teaching us things, my goodness. And he's, he's healing the sick. So they were annoyed. Now I remember, and this is, this is vital, this is so important. When I was a young Christian, and felt the call to preach. The church I was in, you couldn't become a pastor in it unless you went to their Bible college. And you couldn't go to another Bible college, you had to go to their Bible college. And they, they tended to keep the, or recommend the pastor training and teaching in their college, in that their particular college, to Sunday pastors. So you went along and you should, you didn't get Asked, do you want to go to Bible college? Unless you were, you know, you were raised in a church, a pastor. Do you understand? So, 
If somebody came along preaching out with that tradition, they weren't very well received. And that's true of so many denominations. Anyway, let's look at our next one, which is Matthew chapter 13. It's so important for us, friends, to understand what's really going on here. And in actual fact, as, as I'm preaching this, I'm, I'm realising that it's maybe going to be uh, even more than today. Um, preaching, uh, this, this could be extended, this. So Matthew chapter 13 and verse 53 says, It came to pass that when Jesus had finished his parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue in so much that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? It's the same thing as the Mark version. But look at this. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. So, one version has it, it's not this the captain, this is the joiner boy. And the other one says, is that still that joiner's son? Now, that doesn't mean he was a carpenter. It simply means that they were being derogatory, derogatory to him because maybe they thought Jesus wasn't staying in his lane. Okay, he, sh he should have just followed his dad and been a, a joiner, a carpenter. But here he is, you know, preaching the gospel, thinking he's a, a, a minister, Reverend Jesus. Who do you think he is? Okay, so that's one level. So what I want to say, looking at here, is this. The term carpenter applied to Joseph and also to Jesus can be misleading, okay? Because we think carpenter, joiner, don't we? Somebody who works with wood and a carpenter is somebody who's good at it. <laughs> you know, it's not just somebody that will fix a broken door or a broken cable leg, but somebody that can maybe make a table or make something, a carving of, you understand? Carpentry is a wee bit more classy joiner. But that's not what the Greek says. That's what's important here. And when we look at what the Greek says, it explodes our religious tradition of thinking Jesus was a joiner. Because when we hear carpenter, we think that Joseph must have been a joiner, like an odd job man or handyman. And if he was alive today, we would expect to see Joseph driving around in a white van, wouldn't we? That's, that's what joiners do. They've got a white van. Am I right? So do electricians and plumbers. It's like white van man, we call it. It's the, it's the syndrome. They all got a white van. Sometimes some of them get painted on it. And, and that's the type of joiner we think that Joseph and Jesus is, or was, sorry. But what if we're wrong? That's not what is meant by the term carpenter. The Greek word translated carpenter is the word tecton. It's the word tecton. And there's also a word architecton in Greek. 
Okay, tecton is sometimes just taken as the shorter form of it. So we get the word architect from architecton. And it, it means like a master builder. It means somebody who, not somebody who you say, right, can you fix that broken frame there, uh, Jim? I may bother me, but somebody who would say, we would say, who would design the whole building and oversee a team to build it. That's a big difference, isn't it? I remember, uh, I always use this illustration because I remember once uh, I was involved in a project and I had to phone Sir James Miller, who was the head of Miller Homes. Now, in fact, I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me just read this to you, okay? Or, or, or. The Greek word translated carpenter is tecton. It means craftsman or artificer, not necessarily, listen to this, not necessarily with wood. Okay? So when you change the word carpenter to its Greek equivalent tecton, it's no longer about wood. It can be workers with stone and metal, or all of them. Because a related word, technetes, is used of God in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, referring to him as a builder or master builder. It is entirely feasible to translate tecton as master builder or even architect, or we could say it this way, somebody who is responsible for a big, massive building project not just somebody who will fix a broken uh, leg chair. That's so vital to understand. And remember, as I said, about it, it, it means, it, if we give the term builder to Joseph and Jesus as the best translation of tecton, we are then faced with the question, what kind of builder? What kind of tecton? You can have somebody who's got a white van, and works at their garage and they'll fix things for you, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll hang doors for you, they'll even make a door for you. But, you know, they, it's a one-man band or it's sometimes, if it's a bigger job, they'll get their nephew involved or, do you understand? And we say that guy's a builder and, he, you know, he can build you um, a wee uh, brick hut for your bins, that type of thing. But when we're talking about Barrett Homes, or Persimmon Homes, or Sir James Miller, who was the head of Miller Homes. He's a builder too. But I don't think he gets his hands dirty very often. So when we're talking about Jesus and Joseph being tectons, builders, why do we assume that it's just, they were just cleaning doors and fixing wee odd jobs here and there? And in fact, this is, this is vital to know this, some scholars believe that Joseph was very, very high up in the building trade in Palestine at that time and had a major job of overseeing the construction of Herod's temple. Herod had, a, Herod had of course, built a temple to replace the replaced Solomon's temple, but there had been another temple after that. Herod wanted to build a magnificent temple so that he could get the Jews on site. Because they didn't like him, like we said last week. 
But there was a massive building program underway for the best part of a century to first of all build a temple and then uh, perfect it and then maintain it. And some scholars believe that Joseph, Jesus' stepfather, was a, a major um, contractor in this. And in fact, many thousands of young Jewish men or young Judaic men underwent an apprenticeship in the building of, of Herod's temple, which meant that they received spiritual studies and learning and, and training and teaching for, in effect, the ministry. And we would call it a Bible college today. And they received teaching in the Torah and the law and the prophets, and they got that. But they also, at the same time, were taught the building trade. So they had a dual education when they were apprenticed into this building of Herod's temple. And they, 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 they became builders, master builders, architects. They, they became very proficient because they were taught the building trade by the very best, Joseph and others. But they were also taught the word of God at the same time. They became rabbis. So they were rabbi builders. It's quite well known. And some people speculate that Jesus... Because his father was doing this, he, he, he got involved in this. And that's why, and this is the other thing, we read it in the scriptures, don't we? We read that they called him teacher or they called him rabbi. If he had not had the right to, the, the, nobody disputed that title. We think they called him it because they were being nice to him. Absolutely not. It was an official, formal title. And if you claim that title, so if somebody come, come in here and says, I'm a reverend. But even more so back then, if, so, if you called yourself a rabbi or a teacher, the way they called them it, they would have pulled them up straight away for, for being illegitimate, and as in terms of you don't have the right to have that title. But nobody ever disputed it, even when the scribes and the Pharisees, because this particular line of scholar they thought is that Jesus trained as a rabbi and a tecton. It's quite fascinating, isn't it? And we tell you who else. And think about it. Jesus, in his, his teaching, employed building parables, didn't he? Perhaps not parables. Parables. He employed building parables. Speaking about building a tower and all the different uh, parables where he used the example of building. And another one who was the same was Paul. And it's believed that Paul underwent this same training of rabbi stroke builder because Paul's trade was building mobile homes. And he called himself a wise master builder, referring to his apostolic ministry, but simply saying that because he was, he understood as an apostle what building was, he again used many building references. It's believed that both Jesus and Paul underwent this rabbi or uh, teacher of the law stroke tecton 
education. Of course, Paul was um, sat at the feet of Gamaliel and was regarded by many as being his automatic successor. He was so proficient in teaching the law. And the other thing is, is that Paul was called a tent maker, as we know. That doesn't mean we scout tents, you know, a sheep with four poles or two poles. It means that he would build mobile dwellings, which took great skill, great artifice, and a lot of money. It was a very lucrative profession. So he funded his ministry by being, in effect, a builder. Fascinating stuff, isn't it? Why? Because it's a real world. Not a wee ladybird book world. Where they all just seem to float along. Not having jobs. Not having to earn livings. And remember, of course, the disciples were all businessmen. Some of them were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. How many of us would choose a tax collector for our ministry team? Am I right? The real world that Jesus was born into. But that's. But I'm going to say this to you um, because I'm running out of time. And I wanted to get it all in, but we'll probably just cover the rest of it next week. That's just one way of looking at it. Because this is the whole point of this. The missing 18 years. From when Jesus was 12, we read about him in the temple. How Mary and Joseph went back. And, and that all feeds as well into um, this aspect of Jesus. The real Jesus as he stayed behind and was debating with scholars in the temple, not only holding his own with them, but astounding them with his wisdom. And the fact that they seemed to know him, the fact that they seemed to know him, indicating that they knew who his father was and that he was safe in the temple with them. Amen? Fascinating. That's just if we consider that Jesus was actually a carpenter. In fact, the word tecton can also mean scholar. And that's what I'm trying to say to you. If, if we accept that during this period of being, when he was 12 and was left behind in the temple, and they found him there, up to he was 30, the Bible is pretty silent on Jesus. Well, it is silent on his life. Where did the missing 18 years go? What happened during those 18 years? One of those things is what I've just said. He, he lived as an apprentice to his father, stepfather Joseph, and lived these 18 years studying the Torah and also studying the building trade and becoming a tector, which as I said to you, doesn't mean that he just fixed you know, broken tables and stuff, but meant that he could have been a designer of m massive building projects and he could have had hundreds, thousands working for him. Now the really exciting alternative to that is what I'm going to be speaking on next week. And Davey's smiling because he knows what I'm going to speak on. Which is the other alternative theory of where did Jesus go? What happened to him during those missing 18 years? And, and that's wild. I mean wild. But we'll look at that next week. So, we may not have steak pie, but we'll have that. <laughs> we'll have that. Oh, and I was hoping to get it all in today, but if it goes into the third week, all the better. But we'll see 
The other aspect, because and this is what I'm trying to get, this is what's so important, this is we close this off. Jesus was born into a real world and lived a real life. He lived as a man. He didn't just, you know, lie in a, a cocoon till he was 30 and was ready for the ministry. He lived a life among other people in a real world, in a society with different classic cultures and, and everything that was going on in the Roman Empire, the, the, the Judah, the Galilee, all the different things that were going on and different cultures, different societies. He lived in that life and he probably didn't have to make a living because of the money that was given to him by the Magi, but would have because he wouldn't have been idle. He would, he would have done something. And if we just think Carpenter, I was, you know, there he was sweating away in the workshop. Or maybe, maybe that was the true thing, but, but I don't think it was. And there's so much evidence and so much to look at to suggest that Jesus was far more than just what we'd call an odd job joiner or a handyman waiting for somebody to chat the door and say, can you fix this broken stool? Uh, and, and that word tecton is the clue because that word tecton speaks of something far beyond just somebody who's going to do stuff like that. Praise the Lord, folks. Um, hope you enjoyed that next week. Maybe the most exciting part of all, at all when we look at the other story, the other alternative uh, theory that what Jesus did during those missing 18 years is electrifying. Amen. So we'll look at that next week. The Lord bless you, folks.